Murphy, the veteran, the sidestep, oh. the banana, Mark Murphy! Might have no choice. It starts right, it swings back. What a goal! Hello and welcome back to the Unlucky Blues podcast. I'm your host this week, Tass, and join with, joining me today is JB. Unfortunately, Luke's out sick. Uh, we wish him all the best with his recovery. He's uh, reckons he's got Carlton. So um, Just sick of Carlton, I reckon. Just absolutely sick of Carlton. So we're missing him this week, but um, the two of us are here and uh, we're going to do a bit of a deep dive into last week's game. JB, how are you feeling? Well, almost like Luke, to be honest, I feel. He says he's feeling pretty bad and after that game on Saturday, Saturday night, it was um, it was pretty terrible. But um, all in all, I, I, want, I think I saw a tweet, I'd, I'd rather the buyback. I'd, I'd want the buyback. You don't have to worry about Carlton playing or... Uh, I want the buy. It's just a lot calmer week when uh, when Carlton's not playing. You don't have to. Your weekend doesn't get ruined, and you know you, your emotions are just normal and regulated throughout the whole week instead of the depression that hits you as soon as the, that ball's bounced. Um, it's a pretty common theme, I would say, that within the first few minutes of the game, you sort of know which way it's going to go with us. In terms of the weekend, I guess, was sort of like up and about in the first couple first couple of minutes, and you thought maybe it was going to be different. But as soon as goal, soon, goal Coast, as soon as GWS kicked those first three goals in a row, you knew it was over, didn't you? Yeah, especially when we could barely get it four to centre for those three four minutes. They they'd kicked they kicked three in a row. I thought there'd be like some chance. Usually in the first five minutes, you want to not cop a goal and look like you're actually going to create, and and we didn't. And um, and I think yeah, usually it was like with the the West Coast game, the the game before the bye, you knew in the first five minutes if we were going to win or lose, and we ended up not winning, and it was easy to tell because the way we started, we've always um not started well, and I think it's more because of the mentality and other reasons, but yeah, it's just a, a common theme as well, just being able to judge it in the in those five minutes. Is is um becoming especially evident now with um Carlton not being so good. Yeah, we'll do a bit of a deep dive later into why we think the game went the way it went. But I don't know. For me, it was just sort of, I guess, it wasn't. A lot of people are saying we've been seeing the same game over and over, which we have. But I think this one was different in the sense that there wasn't. There was just there was like a clear lack of cohesion everywhere. Whereas I've sort of seen in the previous games, we've been in it and then faded or been given hope and then faded. Whereas this one, there would just seem to be no hope whatsoever throughout the whole game other than that five minute period in the third where we sort of started clawing it back. Now, whether that was because GWS switched off or whether we switched on, I'd argue the pre, the, um, the former, but yeah, I don't know. Did you feel like this game was different or was it the same for you as well? Yeah, I'd say uh, it's a bit of both, really. I think because it was weird because even then we'd kick three or four goals and we'd autom- automatically back in it. And that was like the theme usually with most games. We are always very almost being back in it if we'd done a few things right. And we did. But when we had the momentum, we just wasted it, I feel. Doherty fumbled and led to that Cali goal, which which made it um pretty much out of our grasp that game. So... Yeah, it was a weird performance, a very nothing performance, nothing to really write home about. Like I was saying to you in the, when we were watching on Saturday night, it's, it's one of the games you yada yada over. You, they rocked up, yada yada, they left. It's nothing nothing special. So, um, 
yeah, I feel like it was the same in the fact that obviously we lost and didn't really have a great performance, but it's it's different in the fact that um we we actually had the momentum and had the opportunity to win or get close to winning and, and didn't take it. Yeah, and I guess it's sort of a common theme, isn't it? Um we'll we'll go I guess we've sort of given some initial thoughts, so let, let's just go straight into it. A couple of couple of things to start off with. Effort and fitness, I guess, are, are the two main things coming out of this game, I would say. Um, the players came out yesterday, today's Tuesday we're recording. The players came out yesterday and said there is no way in hell that they wouldn't go out there and give effort. But I guess some of the footage that we've seen come out over the past two days suggests otherwise. It's pretty alarming. Um, I'm not going to go in, go out on a limb and say that the players don't go out there and give 100% every week. I do believe that they do that. But I guess sort of going when you when you have to go or should have gone doesn't really seem to happen. Now, whether that comes back to fitness, I don't know. I'm inclined to think that way considering what we're seeing from some of our more recent recruits. Or I was going to say, maybe in some areas like it was with Brendan Bolton, it's a matter of game plan. They're forced to occupy a, a zone or a piece of grass and let their players walk by. That's what you could also think of as well. Because yeah, you, you, you want to assume that they give 100%. Why wouldn't you really? And if the only thing that's like, I guess, the only two things that are either hindering that are their fitness, which apparently we're paying a lot of money for a high-performance director that hasn't shown much and every, everyone's probably had the same thought that probably won't be there next year or is on a reduced kind of role next year and on less money, obviously, because your soft cap's actually pretty important in managing that as well. Or it's to do with game plan. Like, so we, I remember Brennan, the, the Brennan Bolton years, it's a bygone era almost, and I want to forget it as much as you want to forget almost this era at the moment. But um, yeah, because they were just, they'd always occupy almost like that center square. They'd And obviously you want to understand that they want to cover the inside, cover the corridor. But when they're two kicks away from switching it and very easily with no pressure, there's no point in really doing that. And and the way, and when you'd say that when you have players that need to go or should have gone or had to cover their man or whatever, and they didn't, that was pretty worrying, and I think it either comes down to those two things, but it could be effort because we've seen it time and time again, especially even like at a, the one that comes to mind most glaringly is the Adelaide last year. Yeah. We had finals in our hands. All we had to yeah, do absolutely. was beat people that we needed to beat, and it ended up forcing us to try and win against a tough Brisbane outfit at home on the last on the last week. So. And that game was, they just didn't rock up. It looked like they didn't rock up very lethargic. And I don't know how that really didn't look like 100% effort. And against the Giants as well, it didn't look like either. It's very, um, it's not great. We'll put it that way. We won't go too too harsh. I think we've already done that. And we intend to do that a bit later down the track when Luke's here as well. Um, I guess... Should we start with the positives? or Not that there's many of them. We'll go just straight into the, the worrying signs from the game. Yeah, we could probably get started on the positives. We've got to spare two minutes. I don't think there was much to really run home about. But then again, with the being too harsh, I think almost <laughs> just a bit sick of being too harsh. It just, it's just, it just a bit... It takes too much energy. It's a, it's a bit too tiring at the moment and you want to just... 
you just don't have the energy for it. So we'll, we'll do our best to be as critical as possible. But just being that harsh is oh, it's getting tiring. And I'm sure you are and everyone else listening is probably of the same the same thought. Yep, absolutely. It takes a lot of energy to be so critical. It takes a lot of energy to watch Carlton. Um, but in terms of what was good out of that game, Matthew Kennedy, 27 touches. I think he had five clearances, five inside 50s, something like that. It was absolutely excellent. Pretty much the only positive to come out of it. Um, does he play next week? One half of me tells me it's going to be same old Carlton. Is this going to find something, some issue with him and and drop him because he's never seemed to have a clear run at it but this game he did he had a full game in the most of in the midfield and what I liked as well was he had a few good contested marks too um, as well so he provides that as well due to his height obviously he didn't kick goals he didn't get, I don't think he kicked a, a goal but his his work was fantastic um, I think did we all give him three I'm sure we'll get to the votes later we all gave him the three votes and it was great to see great to see him have a full game. It was fantastic. Finally been that performance we've been waiting for. One one positive I like to bring up was Paddy Dow, but it also has a negative. Yeah. He play, he whenever he had the ball, he looked a lot cleaner. He ran the contest, had great handballs and and whatnot. But what I'm saying is as well, it's fine that all he had was I think he had 13 or 14 touches. Yeah. He had I think 10 or 11 handballs. That's fine. I don't think he shouldn't worry about, and everyone else shouldn't then worry about him getting all these kicks. If his job is to get it out of the contest and handball or work through the contest and handball to someone else who can use it, then that then he's done his job and and he did that, which was fantastic. Obviously, the stats looked a bit odd. He went at fifty percent, but I don't. But that might be awful. I just didn't seem to me that way watching it on TV. But I liked him when he and he actually played in the midfield. It was a bit worrying. On the other hand, that he only played two thirds of the game, which was it, it's a, become a pretty common theme with Paddy Dow when he plays in the seniors that he never gets close to full amount of minutes. Um, like, again, like everything just comes back to fitness with us, doesn't it? I mean, if a player like Paddy Dow is in his fifth year, fifth twenty seventeen, yeah, fifth season, um, can't run out a full game, then it's either that, which is worrying. Or it's the fact that we just have so many midfielders that we want to get through that Paddy Dow gets limited his game time because he's not one of the more premium sort of guys. Um, and look, in terms of Paddy Dow, I don't have time for anyone who criticises him at the moment. I think what he's doing is his job. And he's playing to his strengths. Just you take the kicking license off him because he can't kick. And that's, that's a fair criticism of him. He can't kick. But he can handle better than most of the people and, in the team, and work. And when he works through traffic as well, in tight, like it was, it was, it was great to see. That's that's literally all he has to do: win it at the contest, step through a couple, handball it off, and his job's done. That's all he has to do. Play to his two strengths. When David Teague came in, what did he do? Put everyone back in their correct positions and made them play to their strengths. And what happened? We started winning games. Don't know why he's defaulted away from that now, but um, yeah, look, just everyone's in the team to play a role. And if Paddy Dow does that. And he gets better at it, and as time goes on, and he gets a consistent chance to do it and prove himself, then I'm sure Paddy Dell will become a, a quality midfielder for us. And prove all of the doubt is wrong. One thing was good to see as well, and in terms of the Carlton performance, was I guess almost extraordinary. He had five, five or six tackles as well. Yeah. When you think about how many Carlton as a whole had, 
fair, fair chunk of it. And I was thinking he didn't. He looked a bit tired off the ball, but um, we've seen even with just a with Stocker, he didn't have much of a preseason, but he's already managing to run out most games, I think. But I think that might be obviously we'll get into that later. But um, his perform, his fitness is improving as well, and I'm sure it'd be only a matter of time before Dow can do the same. So, but yeah, any other positives? I don't. You can say even though Harry had a quiet day, still managed to kick three. So um, that, that's that's a positive, I guess. With Harry, the only thing I took issue with was the fact that when the game was in the balance, he's just missed two set shots, which really did my head in. Especially when there were was the one there was one around the body, and he just bellied it and walked out. He's done that a couple of times. I, I, I'm not like I understand that point, but his accuracy from from the around the body has been probably higher than his drop punt kicking this year. So I was happy for him to take that. And he's always going to barely one or two every couple of weeks. Um, the thing I took issue with was the fact that he missed from directly in front and the game was in the balance. That did my head in. Yeah. Um, that really hurt me. If we kick that first goal in the fourth, <laughs> I want to say if we kick that first goal in the fourth, we could have gone on to the, win the game. But the way we're going at the moment, nothing's going to help us win games. So. Yeah, you just, you just never know. You might have thought they might have actually been able to take the momentum and... And go on and always challenge until the very end. So, yeah, kicked with that, with that three goals. He's kicked over forty goals in this for the season at the moment. First time I was I wasn't I was surprised, but also not shocked as well. But the last person to kick forty, do you know who was Jeff Garland in twenty thirteen? Of all the people, not because I mean Andrew Walker kicked fifty odd in twenty eleven. Jared Jared. Jeffrey, Jeffrey. Jeff. We, we've had another. We had the other Garlot as yeah. well, and another one. But Jeff Garlot kicking. Well, that was the last one. That was eight years ago. You're just seeing how, how I guess thin forward stocks have been, and it's finally good to have a another a great forward, and and he's doing that pretty much all by himself. I mean, so because Silvani it, it, had it. It's it's an absolute indictment on our football team that a guy like that, with the service that he's receiving can kick 40 goals yeah especially Silvani had a quiet night as well and he still and um he didn't really get much of a chop out it was one of the games that we actually wouldn't have been surprised to see Casbolt play up forward as much as I don't like him playing and I don't think he's he's right but it might have been a bit better I'll go out I'm gonna go out on a limb on Casbolt later I'll be I'll be keen to hear that one but yeah just one yeah that's that very very surprising Jeff Garlett 40 goals was the last time in 2013, we did but didn't make finals that that year. Yeah, geez, that's, that's a seriously long time ago. Um, let's move on to what really happened in the game, which was it was an absolute S show. Um, where, where do I even start? Let, let's let, let's go. Let's talk about fitness for a second. We sort of spoken about it briefly, but let's do a bit of a deep dive. Is our team, it's a yes or no question, just to start. Is our team fit enough to run out an AFL game? No. And based on evidence, we haven't. We've always, we've conceded the most amount of points or goals in, in the red time. In the red time. There's always sometimes, there's no, there's, there's no energy for second or third efforts, which is really, when it captures like a pressure team, that the ability to keep going, not just make the first effort and then, get your tackle broken or person sidesteps or whatever to make the second and third efforts continued efforts 
is what makes like a pressure player great, not just the the first effort. And we that we have barely had that. You get sidestepped and just like you just stand there and let them dispose of the ball instead of. But yeah, no, let's make sure. No, you, obviously, I'm sure you're the of the same answer. Absolutely, there was a bit of footage that um it was either on the couch or it was on the couch. I think it was when John O'Brien was going ham at Zach Williams. We'll get into Zach Williams later. Um, after this, there was one bit of footage where there was a stoppage on our forward flank, ball up, and Ed Kerno was bodying Josh Kelly. Josh Kelly just brushed him off. Then the ball fell out. Josh Kelly picked it up, kicked it forward. And then you watch in the left on the right-hand side of your screen, Josh Kelly and is it Jacob Hopper? It was the number, he's number two. Yeah, yeah. I'm, that's I'm just, that's Hopper. Forget his first name. It was Kelly and Hopper who were at that stoppage, just run past and receive the ball again. Hopper receives it. Where's the Carlton players in sight? Uh, uh, the, the, they are they are nowhere to be seen. Anyone who was in that stoppage is nowhere to be seen. It, it, it is, that's not even the most damning footage I saw. Everyone at that stoppage was at least 15 metres behind their opponent in that transition. So it just shows, like, what are our players doing defensively to run back? Do they not have the energy? Do they not have the will? Do they not have the want? Or is it fitness? Now, I'm, I'm starting to think that they're telling me that their efforts are there. So that says to me the only thing that I can point to is the fact that they're out of breath all the time and they can't get there, which is why we're leaking goals so often. Another bit of footage that John O'Brien showed on the catch. And everything that's been said in the media about us this week has been absolutely warranted. There's another bit of footage where you just watch Lockie Whitfield pick the ball up and run through six Carlton players. Six of them. And it's not like we didn't know Lockie Whitfield was a great runner. He's arguably one of the best in the comp and he provides such great value to that GWS side. They capitulated 2019 in the grand final when he couldn't play at full health and when they didn't play yeah and it's you're almost or as well they're just ball watching they get caught they get caught with like schoolboy errors and just ball watching because I think I really remember that the the Whitfield situation just runs through they're, yeah just they stand there and watch they don't worry about their man or where they're meant to be they just stand there which is pretty worrying as well when you've got players of that not it's not like it's their first game and they're overawed or whatever which I guess can be excused. Most of them are senior players, like a, a Kerno and and plenty others. They just stand there. It's yeah, and I agree. Anything I think most in the most things that have been said in the media this week has been warranted because you when it's you talk about effort and those type of things in regarding to a game, all you can really base your opinions off of is watching it and. Everyone, I'm pretty sure, watched it. Probably would have the same, same thoughts because they're not running; they're just not doing much, and um, it's not. And they can honestly, they can say what Paddy Cripps and all with respect to him, he can say whatever he wants. But it doesn't really matter if you don't show it on on game day. You can have your training. The current social media team can have their training picks and whatever, working hard, having fun, whatever. But when it comes to game day, they're not showing it, and that's that's what worries me as well. They can keep talking and talking and. But then again, we've we've seen we've seen this movie movie before. Yeah, like one of the and and you brought it up to me at, at halftime. I didn't I didn't take note of it. Um, 
Uh, the tackle count at half time was a differential of negative 25, I'm pretty sure, wasn't it? 26. Yeah, it was 44 to 16 or something. That's 28, but yeah, something like that. Um, I don't know any other indicators of effort other than tackling, to be honest. I mean, I, I, what other effort indicators are there? If you don't have the ball, then theoretically you're tackling. You're not. I mean, yeah. we didn't have the ball. We've been dominating that first half. And how, how you can how you can go to half time and have twelve players without a tackle has is one of the most. I, I, I don't even have a word for it. Like it's one of the most bemusing things I've ever heard in my life. Twelve players without a tackle, sixteen tackles for a half. And, and it's not like we had more of the ball. They had a lot more of the possessions as well. We had two more contested, but for. 43 less uncontested. We arguably had less of the ball. And usually you make up that balance. If you have less touches, you have more tackles because obviously you don't have the ball as much. But um, yeah, that... And when I saw it, didn't surprise me. It twenty. It was negative 26 and I'm, okay, I thought, okay, if it's, ne- if it's around negative 26 by the end of the game, we've been even for the second half. And it ended up being negative 38, I think. Yeah, that's right, 37. Negative so, 37. So we actually lost the second half so tackles. It was the second half tackles as well. Yeah. So we didn't make an improvement or anything. No one saw the stats and thought, oh, hey, we should maybe look to improve this, be more pressuring or, or whatever. It's it's the simple things as well. You, your effort, you, and with effort, you either have the pressure acts, which is in the stat or whatever, but tackles. Tackles is the most important one. And yet, was it 11 or, yeah, 11 or 12 10, is it till half time or the whole game? There was 12 people didn't have tackles at half time. I don't half-time. know what it was at the end of the game. 12. Um, we could probably look it up now. Look it up. But um, that's, yeah, it's damning. And then you've got, and yeah, what, and you got, I'm sorry, and you got two players on JW West and 12 each, Toronto and DeBall. So 24 have, they had arguably half of, is it half? Half of our tackles. Two players halved. Two players from GWS halved their tackle camp had, for the whole game. Had more than half, yeah. And Jeez, and in a team Christ. that had eighty, um, yeah, it's and it's one of the one of the things you walk to, and it's not being addressed. And I'm sure there's a stats people out there, but I feel like I can't really remember a game where we had at least the balance of the tackles or or more. If we had less, then we'd have the more touches. But I can't really remember a game where that where that's happened in in recent times so I'll get the plays up for you now and I'll get back to the tackles we still had six without a tackle and one of them was Nunes oh, who, so he's the sub who, he doesn't who, count who played he doesn't count who played five played five or so um, minutes yeah it sort of it actually brings me on to the next point I want to raise and that's um, indirect it brings me on indirectly the, the point I want to raise is matchups but that's related to coaching so if you, argument's sake, John, you're, you're a junior footy coach and you've got a, a dad's doing stats for you and he comes out at half time and he gives you a sheet of paper that says you're down 26 in the tackles. Are you not highlighting that on your stat sheet and showing the players that we're down 26 in the tackles and asking them what the hell is going on on that field? I mean, yeah. I, I, for me, like that, that's, that's something that I would generally highlight in my halftime team talk. I, I don't, don't really understand yeah, I can't speak for the peanut gallery at Princess Park, but I, I, I would. If, if, you, if you had that information available as a junior coach or any coach, tackles. 
it's it, it, it's it's so easy to rectify. Um, just hit them hard. Hit them hard. You know you're not going to have the ball because they're playing better than we are. So I, I don't really understand like how you how because if it got addressed in the second half, I know it would would have been spoken about at half time, but it didn't get addressed because we lost the tackle camp for the second half as well. So I can't really understand how you don't bring that up at halftime and make that a point to fix. Because you fix the tackle count, you increase the stoppage count, you increase the chance of winning the ball. Therefore, yeah. more turnovers. It always, always we win the it. ball a bit more. And we're, and, we're, and we're not bad. I don't think we're bad in the contest. No, it's, we're not. That's, this is that's the thing. When we've played, I think, and it reminds me of last year, when we've played those um, the, the better teams, Port Adelaide or whatever, it's always been a very contested game. We've actually done all, all right out of it. it. hasn't been high scoring or whatever. It's it's always been in the contest. And when we play that style against even the better teams, we've always battled. We've gotten we've either won or gotten close. So I saw Port Adelaide last year. Lost to, lost to the siren. Arguably, they maybe should have kicked a few earlier because then one missed or two missed from right in front. But could have held on to win. But it was always when it was contested. You'd th- yeah, you'd think... And it helped you play to your strengths. You create more stoppages, and it's exactly what I was going to say. It, it, it's all about playing to your strengths, and we just don't do it. Like, we have arguably one of the best contested players in the competition, one of the best extractors from the stoppage in the competition, and we have a kid coming through who has literally proven himself now. Well, other than Sam, Sam Walsh is obvious, but other than Sam Walsh, Paddy Dow has proven himself in the last couple of weeks that he can extract the ball from the stoppage and make good use of it with his hands. So why would you not play on those strengths? Matthew Kennedy is a good extractor in the stoppage as well. I, I, I just can't understand why we don't turn the game into what suits us rather than trying to... Not even adapt, because we don't adapt to anything, but like we're trying to play off the other team and counteract what they're trying to do. No, take control of the game, turn it into what you're good at, and then go from there. Yeah, not not playing on your terms, which arguably all the great teams really do. They they control the game, and it didn't look like we did. It always just feel like it. The players and the coaches just let that game just happen before them. It's like, uh, whatever happens, happens. If it's if the kicks are going wide or whatever, if Jeter was playing like this, we'll do it. We'll try, but there's no real. Game plan. That's what I saw from really Teague. That not much really changed. I don't think from the first half to the second, where you've got twenty minutes to to speak, or the coaches have twenty minutes to speak to their players, and not much change. And that was that was really really worrying as well. Not much really change. Not changing game plan or or anything. But then again, it's it's been a a recurring theme, uh, and and another rerun. We've we've seen it before. We have seen it before, and we've also spoken about this before. Why do we persist with things that don't work? Liam Stocker, playing lockdown defender on the best small forward. Small small medium as well, because he's, he's got a good yeah. weight. He's yeah, arguably one of the best forwards in the game. Oh. And ability... Yeah. It's uh, when you said... It's a weekly thing, though, because last... West Coast, Liam Ryan, best small forward for West Coast. Sydney, Isaac Haney ran amok. Like... He clearly, he's Liam Stocker is clearly getting nothing out of this. He's and he's not a small forward, so he's not learning small forward craft because he doesn't need to. He's not getting anything out of playing on the best small forward. He's not getting anything out of it. All it's doing is shooting his confidence down. And 
the only times where I thought I thought he was like fantastic, like oh what a great moment by Stocker was when he was running through the midfield. Obviously, if we were counter countering or whatever, it was when he was through the midfield, not position wise. Just that's where he was on the field and using the ball because he had one great kick running through, and I can't remember who he hit, but it was a great kick inside. And he's had other moments like that where he's been able to use his skills offensively, and it's been fantastic. And to see him like that. It's it's a it's a real shame because when you said persisting with things that don't work, oh, my my mind was running a million minutes a minutes a was it what did Chuck Higgins say? A million minutes a second, million miles an hour of what he meant because it was so. There's a lot of things, and you can be here till the till the end of end of time talking about why we persist with wrong things. But the one is most glaring is Stocker. You've got a midfielder played as a midfielder in juniors. It's not like like Brody Kemp, who's a utility. You can understand they're trialing, trialing him in a certain position. Makes sense. But Stocker, his best position is in the midfield. I, you, I, I'm sure a lot of people would agree. We're not experts, like the coaches that may be, and they might know something we don't. But um, it's a real shame to see him not playing a position where he could prove we could use his skills to the best of the team's ability. And that's one of the more things that, yeah, again, going back to just playing to your strengths. You play, you play to your strengths by playing your players in your best positions and we're not doing that in in some instances. And it's a real shame to say because we've seen that. We've arguably ruined, I don't want to call curtains on Patricia Seen's career, on career Carlton yet, but we've arguably ruined his, his development by putting him there in a position that doesn't suit him. And I'm sure, and the, if the... And if the staff's still there, I'm sure it'll happen again. We almost did it with Weedering, putting him forward and back. Obviously, it wasn't Tiger and his fault. It was more Brennan Bolton. No, he was there, but almost did that to him. And you, you see what happens when you let them get settled in a position in a position that they can be best in. You see what happens, especially with a play, with players that have the skills and talent like Weedering and Stocker do. So, yeah, it's again we've we've seen it before. It's, there's so many things that just keep happening, and it's. I was saying to you, it's a definition of insanity. Doing the same thing and expecting expecting a different result. They keep thinking it's going to change, but all they're doing is doing the same thing. Yeah, it almost makes you think that just the whole club needs to just clear out and get new people in everywhere. Um, where was I going next? That's right. Zach Williams. How do I phrase this without being absolutely obliterated? Zach Williams currently is a worse pickup for the Carlton Football Club than Mitch McGovern was. Yes or no? Just give me a yes or no straight answer. We'll we'll dive into it, but just give me a yes or oh, no. This, this, one, this one's actually a tough one. I want to say yes. I want to say yes. And, I, and I'll say because he hasn't had... With McGovern, when he's been playing and he's been fully fit, he's been fantastic. You see the game against Brisbane last year, I think Essendon, obviously before he twinged his hammy, when he's been fantastic and you see what he can provide, but he's been injured. That's his issue and that's most, and that's everyone's issue, I think, with his with his trade and and whatnot. But the, the Williams one, he's... Unless... You almost wish he was injured because it gives him, give him an excuse. But um, he's been fit or fit enough to play a game and didn't look like he was up to it 
could he have been overall by playing against a former team? I'd hope not because I think that's a bit unprofessional, especially with a player being paid that much and with that expectation or or anything. But yeah, he didn't have his best. And obviously in a position that he was um he's more um comfortable in playing halfback, so yeah, he yeah, he didn't have his best game like many did, but I'm sure that I'm sure like it like most things related to Carlton could talk to them at the end of time as as to why that is. I'm sure there's other issues that may maybe we not we might not know about or don't see because um because of uh, not being experts or, or whatever. But um yeah, in terms of the McGovern trade, he's he has been worse than McGovern at the moment. But obviously he's still twenty what is he, twenty six, twenty seven. Obviously it's all not over. We saw that with Daisy Thomas. He prefer, he managed to be a, a great addition to the team. So after a, a few years of not playing his or maybe a year or two playing not playing his best footy, so there's there's still time which is which is good. Yeah, there's time, but I totally agree with you. Um the reason I bring this up is because well, you literally hit the nail on the head of what my thought process was, was that McGovern's been injured, so he hasn't really had the chance consistently to prove himself. Now, early days, that's an indictment on him because he wasn't fit enough, um, and that's his own fault. And I'm starting to think that Zach Williams is the same. Um, I think he's lazy. I on, And this is not because Jonathan Brown said it on the couch last night. I looked at Jonathan Brown initially and I thought, what the hell are you talking about? And then he showed me footage. And I'm and this footage that I'm seeing of this guy who is supposedly one of the best halfback flankers in the competition, the absolute lack of defensive positioning knowledge, defensive accountability, work rate, I have not seen from a, a defensive backside footballer Ever, really, honestly. I, I do not... There, there was one bit, and I'll explain it for those of you that have seen it. If you haven't seen it, all you have to do is type in on the couch Carlton, and it was the one that was uploaded last night, or actually this morning, I should say. Um, there is one bit of footage where Zach Williams is standing about 25 out from goal. Um, he notices a man on the 50 that is free, and the ball's been transitioned by GWS out of their back line. Now, my immediate thought is he's not exactly a threat yet. And this comes back to all sports. He's not exactly a threat yet, but I should be aware of him. I'm going to get a little bit closer. There's no one here for me to man up. Jacob and Jonesy had players that there, that were there. You'd think that he'd get closer, and which he did. Did he get close enough, though? No. Ball came forward, another kick. The GWS player moved wide. Did Zach Williams follow? Yes. Did he follow close enough? No. Another kick came. Did Zach Williams follow? Yes. Did he follow close enough? No. Where do you think the next kick went? Over his head. The or next kick went to the player that oh, Zach Williams was yeah, following. Yeah, the player, yeah. Well, had Zach Williams gotten close enough, he would have closed down that option, would have slowed GWS up and given us time to work back and close up any other further options. And then put more pressure on anything... Because he's not, he's not slow either. He's he's quick. He can cover a fair bit of ground, which yeah makes me to believe that he's still probably carrying something. And I'm sure we'll get to it later. I think there are a few players out there that are being played, not despite not being up to full fitness. Because unless 
it might just be me wanting to make excuses for the players. But um, because the thing with the do you want to? Is there anything else on Zach Williams? I I, I I can see what you mean, and I can see what you mean with him being lazy. Um, but I haven't seen a lot of it yet. I haven't seen what you're talking about. But if it happens next week and the week after, then it's going to become a a worrying concern because I can sort of always understand one game you might just be off or not feeling right or whatever. But to do it consistently, that's when it's worrying. I'm going to be honest. If I was on eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, we're not experts. We don't know that that's the accurate figure. Um, if I was on eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, I don't care if I'm seventy five percent fit. I'm working myself to the absolute limit of getting injured. If I'm being paid eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, I, I these blokes, uh, and I know they have short careers, and and that's fine. You know they're on. You know their, their careers are generally ten years for the good ones, and and that's fine. And you know you can say what you want about that, but the fact of the matter is that I'm paying my membership every year, which actually pays his salary, because most of our revenue is derived from memberships. It pays his salary, and and I'm that that's the return I'm getting. That's the return I'm getting. I'm seeing a bloke thirty meters trailing his opponent, like. I, I I just that that actually it, it it doesn't hurt me. It annoys me. Very it annoys me. Very disappointing, and not just financially, just mentally, and just that emotional. You put all this effort in, most obviously pre pre COVID, yeah. Um, that rocking up to almost every game, always watching, putting all this energy into supporting this club, and to get that as a return, it's it it shows. I'm not, and I'm not going to assume things, it, but it it can show that they just don't care that, and they just spit in your face. It's just like a spit in the face, really. And yeah, for, that, for them to do that, obviously they say they're giving effort and whatever, but when you see efforts like, like Zach Williams and others on Saturday, it it begs to it begs to differ. The it's yeah, it's quite opposite to the to what they're saying and especially when you put all the, not just financial terms, but that emotional and just physical, just energy of supporting this and to get that back, it's not like you're wasting, wasting your time. Um, Except my, yeah, my sister's, she's very close to giving up. She might um get a rugby membership, go support the Storm because she knows that they won't let her down. So, but um, yeah, at least, at least one team in Blues winning at the moment. That's, and that's the Azzurri. That's got one positive. Um, yeah. I'll tell you what, they could take some defensive tips from the Azzurri, mate. Jesus um, Christ. Oh, yeah. Haven't conceded, haven't conceded a goal in 11 matches and putting on a 30 or so themselves. But yeah, at least at least that's one positive for the team in blue. But yeah, when you put all that energy in, even then when you talk about supporting, you put all the energy into, people put energy into... um. Like uh, teams, teams in England and stuff, they're waking up. Like obviously in this country, waking up uh, or staying up till the early hours of the morning, supporting and and um, it's easier for us to support a football team, per AFL team per se, when it's a lot easier to access and watch. So yeah, to see those efforts like that, it's um yeah, it's not the best and it's 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 disappointing. That's. But we've seen it again. We saw it under Bolton, saw it even under Malthouse for a time. But then it goes to, as well. It looks like they're playing for the coach because you think you'd see sometimes you see that they're playing for the coach. They're a bit more up and about and 
got a bit of fire under their under their backsides and yeah they're just they're not showing it and I'm sure you can hear by my tone it's just tiring just talking just about defeated, it defeated very know? and it's you don't want to be like they obviously want to be positive but all signs point to the contrary really and it's it's unfortunate but I'm not surprised that we're feeling like this again I think it's got to be a lesson learned in the future don't get um, too invested or almost manipulated by this by this club I was going to use this as a as a microcosm for our club in general and I feel like we've just we've had this conversation before um, but I heard something if it is true it really just makes me not want to buy a membership next year if I'm perfectly honest um, I was watching the Blue Abroad fan cams and I don't know if I actually I did mention this to you guys um, Paul Sebastiani mentioned that I don't know how true it is but Paul Sebastiani mentioned that the club is now reaching out and this is the focus of what our club is at the moment is now reaching out to admins of supporter groups asking them to sign contracts or agreements saying that they will not criticise the club publicly now, if if that if that's true, and I'm going to assume for the sake of this argument that it is true, what is the focus of this football club? What is the focus of this football club? Yeah, are you telling me that? Um, yeah, that's just again. I I I I think I made the jokes. The propaganda machine of the current football club it's it's becoming very much a reality worrying about PR and that side and um, it's it's a shame that they're, they're focusing on that because if they expend if they use their resources into I guess winning football games they don't have to worry about worrying about what um, what um, fan podcasts or and fan Carlton Media is is saying and obviously any obviously it's you don't want to see any unwarranted i guess criticism or or any bad things very negative things to be said obviously derogatory or and the like you don't obviously don't want to see that and you're going to understand clubs are going to be worried about that but to worry about when club when media like us or fan-made media and like the blue abroad and, and others are worrying about criticizing the club then it's then it's a worrying issue and i think yeah i think i made the joke as well worrying about made the joke as well comparing us to Arsenal yeah. I think they did the same thing with Arsenal fan TV they've got their issues with that and and I just thought of that when you said that it's it's a shame because especially when you're putting your resource you're putting your financial resources you're putting your money towards this club and for having them to pretty much use the resources to worry about what um, fan meters are saying and obviously it's hard to say Obviously, I'm normal members not going to be worrying about fan media, but when it's especially when it's us, when we're obviously in this creating content like this about the club, it's it's a shame because you do it for the club because you love the club, really, and it's like a it's like another spit in the face, really. But if if that is if obviously, just say if if it's true. Obviously, if it's not true, forget what we said. But if it is true, it's very sad to see, and um, you'd. But it's very simple. If you put resources towards winning games, we wouldn't have this issue. 
and, and that, that's what gets me the most about it is they're asking and I, I'm going to be honest if I get a message or a letter from the media team and I'm not speaking for John or Luke here I'm speaking for myself if I get a message from the Carlton media team to our podcast asking us not to criticise I'm going to print it rip it up and mail it back to the club address it to Kane Little because that is an absolute waste of resources an absolute waste of club funding and an absolute waste of energy, quite frankly. I, I, I cannot understand why they would think that that is going to help us change our mentality. If not, it just speaks more to the argument of what the mentality of the club is. And we've said it time and time again, more concerned about what's going on off the field than they are with what's going on on it. Yeah, and More um, concerned about being the nice guy and being perceived well by the general public than they are winning football games. But I was like, I was having a, I've got um, a few diehard Richmond mates and they're all getting annoyed about um, what's happening. We'll ask you in the media when they were having to go at them. And I was like, I'll wait. I was telling them, just wait. Wait till you, wait till you start winning again. They'll shut up because they, they won't, they'll love you when, when you win. And um, when we're losing, it's pretty easy for people to get on our backs and, and rightly so. And, and I think if, if that would happen, and especially with what you said before, with asking to sign non-disclosure or whatever, it just speaks about the yeah, the priorities of the club, and that's what we're talking about. And if they if they were to send you a letter, it just pro- it would just prove us right. Their their priorities are misaligned and unfortunate to see. And and you'll you'll see it's a big if, but if we do start winning games sometime soon, you'll see all the media being very quiet. And I, I, it, it it speaks more about the media now as they they're happy to jump on a and crack on and make all these comments about losing teams. But when we start winning, if you'll see them shut up and and that's what they should and obviously that's what the the club should worry about is winning games. And because when that happens, the media will shut up. I'm sure. It's it's just really. Like I, I don't have the energy. I have the energy because I'm here, but I don't have like the motivation to put effort into this club. And I love this club. Don't get me wrong, but it just really detracts from my motivation when I hear things like that. If it's true, we want to make this clear. If it's true, we don't know that it's true. If this is a rumor, but. But, but, but it's just like, why am I sitting here reviewing games of football when your priority isn't even to win it? We might as well record one episode and then record us saying the names of every club and then just putting it Carlton lost by X amount of points to and then insert team name here and put out the same episode if it's if that's the case because you can assume that every, every game's a loss if it's going to be like that and... Yeah, it's 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 yeah. It's not not much more else you can really say. It's it's just a, a real shame. Look, we'll do a um, if we have the motivation to, we'll do a TUB external review instead of a club external review somewhere down the track over the next couple of weeks. If things are still going bad, um, we we said we were going to do it tonight, but Luke, unfortunately, we wish him well, but um, he's pulled out. Let's uh, let's move on. Give us a 3-2-1. 
three, two, one. I'm sure most are very similar. Obviously, we mentioned Matt Kennedy and his game was fantastic. I think it was the standout. Harry as well for kicking. He still managed to kick three in a in a forward on and team performance like that. And I liked Adam Saad. I liked his game. His run was something. It it's and it's again another thing we rely on just individual performances and individual acts and. Yeah, the Imprinticast has mentioned Ned Zelich's individual brilliance and, and flair and fantasy, and it, it can't ring more true when you see things like Adam Saad and when you see players like Adam Saad playing the way they do and what they bring, and it's not, and it's their positives are just brought about by individual perform, individual brilliance and moments of moments like that. So, Adam Saad, obviously, special mention, um, Sam Walsh as well, still had a decent game despite a hard tag when you've got Matt DeBoer arguably one of the better taggers in the comp going after Sam Walsh and not Paddy Cripps who just speaks volumes of his Im- improvement and standing in the comp as well for him to be get the hard tag and he's still had 10 contested as well which is I'm not surprised <laughs> considering but um, yeah that, that was my 3-2-1 what about yours? I went Kennedy Cripps and I actually gave Stocker a vote um, I don't care that he got full kicked on him or whatever Toby Green kicked. Um, I don't care because what he offered us offensively in a team like... In a top eight team, what he offers offensively out of the back line in a top eight team would go rewarded, would end up in goals. He, I'm going to go out on a limb, he has the best kick in the team, I think. I honestly think he has the best kick in the team. It is powerful, it is accurate, it is low and penetrative. And he hits targets. I just think we're all losing it in the was the Collingwood game when Zach Williams hit a couple, really nice, but yeah. haven't seen many since. Jack Martin's also great, but for Stocker to be up there very early, I think is true. He should be up there. Not the best yet, I don't think, but obviously I'm sure over time that opinion will be of that as well. So but yeah, he was it's, and it's and again, it's just a shame that he's not being played in a position where he could really, where the team could benefit most from. Because I don't think, obviously, it's great to have him in the team and have him playing games and and whatever. But to have him there and not in a position where he can provide most benefit is is shocking. Ins and outs. Um, I'll go first. I and I'm not saying who comes out because, quite frankly, I don't know because everyone was just abysmal. Um, other than the few we've mentioned. I want to see Levi Casbolt come in next week. I don't know how many people watch the Rezies game, but that bloke was... Abs- and we've been I've been hammering on Casbolt week in, week out until he was dropped. Um, but if, if you watched his game on the weekend, he had 21 touches, I believe. Um but the way he was clunking his, the marks was just... And look, to be fair, it was against the VFL standalone Port Melbourne, so like I'm not getting too excited, but he, he sort of looked like he was back in form a little bit. Now, whether you can play DeConning, Casbolt and Pitney all in the same team, I don't know. Um, but he kicked three and... I think he kicked three. I'll have to double-check that. Um, but he was absolutely clunking his marks and he was having an impact so I wouldn't mind seeing him back in the side uh, someone else I want to see come in is Sam Petrovsky seaton and Mark Murphy Mark Murphy had 26 Sam Petrovsky seaton had 25 and where was he playing JB? Oh I didn't watch the game but I could surely hazard a guess 
Oh, has it a guess? The, 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 I would say the midfield. Oh, he's playing on the ball. Who would have thought? Yeah, he wasn't playing back pocket. Um, yeah, Jack Carroll also had a good performance, but I think he might. Yeah, he, I just I didn't. I was going to say Jack Carroll, might, but, but thinking about wait. it more, get some consistent, solid performances, and then if he's still yeah, getting twenty sure. twenty five, bring him in. Um, but yeah, um, were you done with the ins? Any more ins or? No, that's it for me. But uh, I want to say Murph get three hundred low key. Um, yeah, and why not? I think it should speak. It speak volumes about our club if we don't, because I think it's it's a special moment, and obviously the last, but the last person before Kate Simpson would have been someone in the nineties, I'm sure. Like Craig Bradley, 20, 20, Craig Bradley was twenty years before. So um, it's it will speak volumes about how you treat your champions, and um, yeah. But oh, I digress. But um, yeah, I, I I also agree. I think you should be. Obviously, don't. You want to say you don't want to be gifting games, but... It's, it's different. But, it's but different. I think because... And I've had this conversation with Dad before. In the first half of the season where we were five, four and five, you know, that, that territory, I can totally understand Murphy. If he doesn't worry any spot in the team, he doesn't worry it. But what are we playing for now? What are we playing for now? Give him like his 300. Yeah, like um, this came up on Fox footy. There was our best mate, Jordan Wallace, talking with Brad Johnson and... Catholic and talking about that situation, he was saying, "Oh, some were moved on before, but you look at the, the clubs are in various different situations. Hawthorne at the time were arguably the best in the comp, best up there for the best of all time, having won the three peat or were in the middle of it, are uh, fighting for premierships, and it's you know obviously you want everyone thinking they can get dropped and their best performances, but you look at us at the moment, we're not we're not that." So um, and it's and you you tell a lot about a club about how it how it treats its its champions and and in milestones like this it he should get it and should be rewarded. Um, yeah, but Ins Murphy, I feel I feel I don't know, I feel like he should, almost should have played last against the Giants. He should have. I don't know why they dropped him. I don't know. Like that's not a message to send people. Like I, I didn't really understand I why he was dropped anyway. But but um, especially after the bye. But um. Yeah, Casbolt, Casbolt's an interesting one. Obviously, I didn't watch the, the VFL game, but if he's got that firewood under him again, the club would be better for it, even if even if he is, even if it just is in the VFL, because obviously his performances might help win games and help better performances from those around him as well. So, um, yeah, and the other one you said was Trevor Seaton. If he played on the ball and had a good game, and obviously... Um, Ed Kerner might have to get... Seaton had a lot of tackles. As well? He had a Good. lot of tackles. Bad. So I'd take Kerner out, honestly. Yeah, because it was... We, I don't think we talked about it in the West Coast game when it was where they played him back pocket. Played him back pocket, which is which is odd. But um, yeah, just just to reward VFL form, I think I think Parks would be out. I think he got injured. Um, I feel like Jack Martin might be managed this week. He still doesn't look up to it. Even... With a couple of weeks, which, which is again speaks more speaks more about the club as well. We're still playing players that are injured, thinking that we're going to get something out of them, or hope that one or two moments of I'll quote him again, individual brilliance can help win games. And I don't know why we're relying on that. We should be playing players who are fully fit. Obviously, credit to obviously if they think they're fit, and they want to play. Credit to them. They still want to play through and. And give effort in that sense, but it looks like to me that they're not—they're just not up to it into physically. They look, 
a bit tired or sore or injured or whatever. Jack, especially especially Jack Martin, S, and especially in in that West Coast game, and and it's worrying to see that after the bye, he was still looking like that. So, um, but for outs, I think it might just be Parks and and Martin for me. But those ins, if you can reward VFL form, it should be rewarded, and with those ins, that's what they would do. But obviously, it's Carlton. You never know. What can happen? We've done well to get on a bit here. Um, just want to make a couple more, ask you a couple more questions. Sam Doherty, he he has like it's weird because, like you pointed out to me before we started, he still had twenty one and he still went at eighty five, but I just don't think he's having enough of an impact or the impact that he should be having as an AFL player. And I almost think that sending him back to the twos for a week just to say, just go out and run loose, just run a mark, would do the world of good for him. Um, what, what do you think? Yeah, it was what it was one of the topics I almost wish wasn't was asked because it's a hard one when you talk about a captain and and a player that's gone through so much already. But um, yeah, stats-wise, he, he had a good game. But he, had, he fumbled a bit and I don't know, I don't know really what that's that's down to confidence skills or which wouldn't be skills because obviously he's a great skilled player but especially the fumble in the fourth quarter really and then Kelly Gold it was at a very crucial moment and it was it was very yeah, it was older words that can be described that to describe that moment but he it wasn't just that one time you could see it happening a lot more throughout the game and yeah if it's it's a tough one because you're obviously, especially with Carlton, they've got to worry about, think of it in Carlton's shoes, they've got to worry about the PR and the propaganda and all that stuff. And dropping a captain is never a good look. We saw all the buzz it created when they dropped Cornelio, Jetta West dropped Cornelio last year. And um, I'm sure it's happened before. And I'm sure the media kicked up a stink that time as well. So I don't think they'll do it. I think they'll just hope he finds his form back at AFL level because they don't want to deal with the media media blowback from that's it that's all they care about really isn't it um, we said we weren't going to do a forgotten blue but I've got one lined up if, do you want to go, do you want to go for it if you want to, want to have a crack yeah why not um, we're not previewing the Adelaide game because quite frankly there's no point so we, we even just if go we, yeah, it's like even last, if we do doing an analysis isn't really going to help change anything So because last year we went sorry last year we went in with a full confidence and what 40 points to 50 to 6 down at half time yeah something like that um, all right, I reckon you can get this one, so we'll see what happens. I've literally just gone blue zeme and, and picked one at almost two hundred centimeters and on the way to a hundred kilos or more. Carlton drafted this eighteen-year-old from Calder Cannons with the hopes that he would loom large in the Blues forward line for many years to come. He was taken. Where is it? Oh yeah. He was taken with pick 42 in the 2010 National Draft with the nickname Squid. He had modelled his his game on Brisbane Lions great Jonathan Brown. However, chronic shoulder problems prevented him from pushing for senior selection throughout most of his first two seasons at Princes Park. Having spent his formative years at St. Bernard's in Essendon, he joined the Calder Cannons prior to his 17th birthday and kicked three goals in an emphatic TSA Cup under-18 grand final victory in his first year. 
This man was touted by injuries. In early 2010, he dislocated his left shoulder during a practice match. Surgery and rehab sidelined him for months, and the process robbed him of an opportunity to impress at the Under-18 Championships. On arrival at Princess Park, he was allocated Guernsey number 25. Formerly oh. worn with distinction by two of the Blues' best ever forwards in... Favola and Jezlinko. Correct. That's, uh, that's, I get a point for that, I think. Yeah, you should get half a <laughs> point for that. Um, oh, what? I can see him, but I... There's actually a bit on him. The only one I can remember is Glenn Smith, and that wasn't him. He's won before that. Um, before, yeah. He, he, I remember he. this bloke was talked up so much as being like the next big thing for us. Oh. But he only ever played one game. Played one game. Oh, jeez. With an extraordinary run of ill fortune, he was on his way to completing his full preseason in 2012, and I actually remember this. I was in the car with my dad, and it came out on the radio. Before another heavy knock on his shoulder had him off track and into the medical rooms to the dismay of everyone at the club. Mercifully, the damage this time wasn't as severe and Luke was back. I said the first name. Oh, no, here we go. Luke, Luke. Oh, jeez. Was back in harness for the Northern Blues before mid-season draft. No, before mid-season, not mid-season draft. Although his team was well beaten, he never stopped presenting and demanding the football. He kicked four of his... Is this his debut? I think. He kicked four of his side's eight goals and showed many of the qualities that attracted Carlton's attention in the first place. Barely a month later, all his hard work and diligence during rehab paid off and he was selected for his first senior game. Go. Luke, yeah, Luke Mitchell. Correct, Luke yeah, Mitchell. Yeah, now it's all coming back. Yeah, always had injuries. We've had, we had a few like that back in the day. I remember Russo Keefe had... Like I like the Australia's pubis that all those bad injuries and and stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, all this hype, especially with the number twenty five and everything. Unfortunate for a career to end like that. You never want to see it end like that, especially when you've got a little chance to make it anyway. So yeah, Luke Mitchell played one game. Was it who did he play? Was it in twenty twelve, thirteen? I think it was twenty twelve. Last match against St Kilda against at Docklands. Oh, so Brett, was it Brett Radden's? Was it Brett, would have been Brett. That, that was Brett Radden's last, last game. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we won that either. Yeah. No, we wouldn't have. Um, yeah, there you go. Luke Mitchell. Luke Mitchell, good one. Obviously. Another one that was touted highly and uh, ended up doing absolutely nothing. Got Carlton. Got Carlton. That's, that's yeah, exactly. exactly. Got Carlton. All right, I'll, I'll get your prediction. Are we going to win on the weekend or not? Just be, uh, be frank, like, I don't even... Do you know what? I'm going to go, why not? <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me that we, for one game, we pull our fingers out of the the other side and pull our fingers out and actually have a performance. So I'm going to go Carlton by... Oh, jeez, I don't... I feel... I almost feel ill trying to make a prediction like this. But I go Carlton by 30. Yeah, I'll go Carlton by 15. Um... Yeah, I'm just going to leave it there. I don't really think that... We could go on forever, really. Um, yeah, just just want to see... It's like... It's like just, you, know what, you know what? I don't even care if we don't win. Just win the tackle count for once. Just win the tackle count. Even if, even if it's not... Even if it's zero to... Even if it's zero to one. Just, just give me something, it. you know? Like, give us something. But then again, it goes back... It shouldn't be what we're expecting of as a club now. It feels like with Brendan Bowen. Just want a good performance. Doesn't matter if we win or lose. Want a good performance. Want to show signs and... It's a shame that we've gone back to that 
back to that now. But I feel like I've been time warped the second half of it. Yeah, it's back nice. to pick a back to pick a year, <laughs> pick a year every pick a year of our life. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, and it's be and it'd be the same. So, but yeah, I'll yeah, we need a win. We do. Just staring the space picture.